Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another Wednesday Night Word. We're so happy that you would join us this evening. And uh, just to jump straight into things, we're going to be talking about uh, some pretty heavy things tonight. It's going to be more of a conversation, if you will, to try to um, navigate some of... Uh, some worldviews and some ways of thinking and some philosophies that really uh, all of us are experiencing in the world that we live in today. And, and as Christians and as people in general, there's just like floods and waves after wave of information that, that we, we access and we hear about through social media and different things. And to be honest with you, it's really, that's what I was telling Clay earlier, it's really hard to even know where to stand and what to believe. Uh, and, and in the days that we're living in, especially as Christians, we want to be rooted and grounded in truth and, and not just a form of truth or a watered-down version. So it's really important, I think, to, to have these conversations so we can begin to think about what these things are so that we can properly navigate and, and, and push back where we need to and really hold on to, to God's Word and, and, and become stronger in the process. And so... Again, it's a, a little bit of a heavy conversation, if you will. Um, some of these things are, you know, just like everything in our world, pretty debatable. Uh, but we are just uh, coming to you with, with sincere, genuine, uh, loving hearts. And, and again, just trying to tackle some of these things together and hopefully I'll grow from it. Yeah, I think so. One of the things we've been doing is we've been preaching a sermon series the past several weeks for you all that have been listening on the book of Daniel. Yeah. And one of the things that the book of Daniel teaches you, and I've talked about how it's tied in with the book of Revelation, and the book of Revelation talks about this mystery Babylon, where it's literally a world system, and it links to the book of Daniel because Daniel is taken out from, the, from Israel and Jerusalem, which it represents the true worship of God and, and the pillar of truth, right? The, mm -hmm. the foundation of, of peace, of shalom. Mm -hmm. He's taken out from that place. He's brought into Babylon in, in a sense in the same way that we are. Uh, and, and Babylon means confusion. Yeah. Uh, it means a mixture. Uh, and so that's what we live in, man. There is confusion everywhere. There's a yeah. mixture of ideas and philosophies that are running rampant. And what happens when Daniel goes to Babylon is one of the first things that, that, that happens to him is they go through three years of re-education. And what I'm seeing that's so interesting, when I, when I went to college and I, I got my undergraduate at EKU, right, and it, and it was just totally, uh, you know, a secular degree. It had nothing to do with Christianity. I wasn't even a Christian until two years into college. Uh, and so, so I was, I was exposed to all these different ideas, these philosophies. And I remember studying them and thinking, well, you're not going to use these anywhere in life. And then I went and got my master's degree, which is a master's in divinity. And we talked about things like postmodernism and intersectionality and, and all these different big philosophies. And I thought, well, of course, I'm never, I'm never even going to talk about stuff like that. But then what I'm seeing now in the news and every day is these things are popping up everywhere. Yeah. And the thing that I guess that, that frightens me the most is really the church at large in America, pretty much what we do is, is we, we, we spoon feed people watered down milk most of the time. Yeah. We give them very vague lessons and you could almost throw any teaching into it. So when, when a doctrine or a teaching comes... They don't know how to defend against it. And as far as they know, it's, it's in line with what Jesus would say. You know, I mean, because people just don't know how to defend against lies that are slipping in. And, and so what we have to do is right now more than ever, Christian people need to have discernment yeah. 
and they have to have the Holy Spirit to have discernment, but they have to know the Word of God and what the Word of God teaches to know whether or not these ideas that are coming our way, whether or not they're biblical or not. Sure. And what I'm seeing is more and more, it's easy for Christians to, to just swallow a pill that is handed to them that looks Christian or looks Jesus-like, but at the end of the day, it also has other things involved with it that are totally, totally opposite to the Christian faith yeah. and what we believe as a whole. So we're, we want to we sort of uh, get in, into some of those things, and I think we had some scripture that we wanted to read just to kick it off in Ephesians 4. All righty, so... Now these are, so this is Ephesians 4.11. Uh, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, so to me, the, the big part about that scripture that jumps out is, is being, you know, tossed to and from almost yeah. like you, you know, if you think about just a blade of grass or a flower that's just kind of tossed every which way because like you were saying, unfortunately, the, the truth of the matter is a lot of people, Christians, uh, we we have uh, an understanding of of the gospel, but uh, like you said, we're, we've kind of been fed watered down truths, and we are, and, and this may hurt some, but we're not very disciplined, and so we don't really know the word of God ourselves. We know general ideas, no. but when we're, and so when, when that doesn't happen, we can be you know when we hear these new teachings, when we hear these new things, it, it sounds maybe even good, and like the scripture said there, it may sound even like truth. Yeah. And so it can really shape how we, we think and we believe and we live our lives. And so Yeah, put, put, put verse 14 up right there just once again. because So, so Paul's basically, he, he lays it out. He says, look, the church has been given apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the working of the ministry. Yeah. And he says that the goal is that we could reach a unity in the faith, that we could know what we believe, that we could be well taught, and we could understand who Christ is so that we could grow up into the fullness of Christ in the world. Now, now he says that, and then he says, so that we will no longer be immature like children, but that we want to eat solid meat and grow up and no longer be immature. And he says, then we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching, and we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Yeah. And that's what's going on is that we are tossed to and fro with every new cultural fad. If it's fashionable, if it's on Facebook, if the cool people are saying it, if LeBron James is going with it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We get tossed and we start to think, well, that's really good and that's really loving and that would be the best thing. Yeah. And sometimes they really do sound great and mm-hmm. sometimes it sounds like the right. Sometimes people will even say, well, that's what Jesus would do. But it's not always the truth and you have 
to come deeper because the issue is deception. Satan is a deceiver, right? Yep. And he tells lies that sound like the truth. He doesn't come out always blatantly and say, well, here, here's, here's a blatant lie. See if I can get you to... No, that's what deception is. It yep. looks like truth. The first thing Jesus said in Matthew 24, whenever he, his disciples asked him about, well, what are the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? And the first thing he says is he says, take heed that no one deceive you. In 1 John and 2 Peter, in the book of Jude, you see that one of the primary things that they're scared, of, scared about, and these are the gateway to the book of Revelation, one of the primary things that, 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 the, that the apostles, the prophets, and the teachers of the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament are frightened about is the fact that they're going to be false teachers that creep in unaware, mm. and, 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 that, and, and they're going to subtly influence the church into believing things that are really counterproductive to really growing up into the measure of the fullness of Christ, and we start representing something as a church that doesn't look like Christ at all. Uh, so, so even when we talk about these things, obviously we don't want to be harsh. We want to do what it what it says later on is we want to speak the truth in love. Sure. Yeah. And and we'll talk more about that because it talks about we want to be growing and healthy and full of love. But love, man, is is something that honestly has to be defined. Yeah. In our sadly. I yeah. wish, because most pastors just say, man, it's all about love. We just need to love. Sadly, in our world, you have to define what love is. Yeah. Uh, because everybody's got their definition. Sure. And all of these worldviews have their definition of what loving someone looks like and what it means. So so we'll kind of get through that. There's there's a couple of more ver- more verses uh, I wanted to, wanted to put up. 1 Timothy 4, 1. Um, so, so it says, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. In other words, these are demonic influences mm-hmm. that, are, that are leading the charge on all sorts of different doctrines. Now, here, here's what's interesting. When it comes to Christianity and truth, there's, there's one stream of doctrine. But the, pro- the thing about Satan is, is he's got thousands of streams of doctrines mm-hmm. because that's what he wants to do. He wants to inundate you with so many that it's so confusing that you get lost and then you are deceived and you begin to slowly turn and depart from the true faith that's been given to you. And this is why Paul tells Timothy in the second book, chapter 4, he says, Look, Timothy, he said, you need to preach the word. You need to be instant in season and out of season. He said, you've got to reprove people, rebuke people, and encourage people with all long suffering and teaching. He said, because the times are going to come that people will no longer endure sound doctrine. They just won't want to hear it, and they will actually heap to themselves teachers that will tickle their ears and tell them what they want to say. Mm. And so we're going to say some things that honestly, like tonight I'm I'm just going to give you a forewarning. I'm going to say some things tonight that probably if I was in Hollywood, I'd get canceled. You know what I'm saying? In cancel culture, I'd be done. But we're going to say it anyway because we believe it's what the Bible says, and as Christians... This is, it, it's so funny to me. I mean, there, there, there's so many even Christians nowadays that are just totally laying, laying aside truth and still claiming to be Christians. And I'm thinking, bro, if you believe these things, you might as well just let Christianity go. Yeah. Pick, pick up something else because that's not what Christianity stands for. Yeah. And we'll, we'll uncover some of that stuff. But, but anyway, we, we have to know the truth of God's Word in order to be able to discern yeah. a, a counterfeit. So... Anything, anything else you're thinking there before we get started? Yeah, that was just, it's, it's interesting because when I've read scriptures like that before, you always think, well, you know, false teaching, false prophets, new doctrines. It's like, those will be easy to spot. 
Yeah. Like it, it kind of like when you read those, and as Christians, you probably you probably think, well, you know, the end times when people like that rise up, it'll be like, oh, well, that's the bad guy. Yeah. But it, and and it's interesting to think how a lot of these things just like you said, they creep their way in, and and they're they they take on a form of truth, and and even some cases, but it's so messed up and 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 kind of twisted in a lot of areas that we don't yeah. really acknowledge it, and and we can, like that said again, we can look at it and think it's true when it's when it's actually not so yeah. it's uh we have to be really careful it's yeah. uh it, it's kind of it, I, I think this is it's good to think about and realize that we especially in the times we're living in man we have to be we have to be really careful and be thinking about these things because uh, yeah. it's important yeah, yeah. And, and and that's what's happening the culture is giving people a worldview and people are wearing certain lenses through which they view the world, and they they don't even necessarily realize that's how, that's what they're doing. That they're actually yeah. being formed and shaped by the news, by entertainment, by media, by celebrities. Satan understands that celebrity has power, that entertainment has power, mm-hmm. and and through Netflix and through all these things, they can educate. They can educate an entire nation. They can educate the world to believing certain things or to begin to relax on certain things until slowly he can just he, he can just creep in and totally change people's worldview so that it's not even rooted and grounded in Christ mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And so, but but again, I was reading some stats, which you have those stats, and you, yep. you can kind of share those with us because I was reading the stats on like what the world, like the nation of America, how they they connected with stuff. But Barna did a study back in 2015, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about some of those worldviews, but you can kind of share with us um, yep. that so, study. So this study was on practicing Christians, like uh, Clay said, in 2015. So 61% agree with ideas rooted in new age spirituality uh 54% resonate with postmodernist views and again we'll kind of break down some of these things and what they mean here in a little bit 38% are sympathetic to the teachings of Islam 36% accept ideas associated with Marxism 29% believe ideas based on secularism and 40% believe any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable Right, and obviously the numbers for non-Christians are far higher than this. Right, but some of them are still a little bit because I mean to to be a Christian honestly at the end of the day means you you don't believe these things. Right, and but but that's what Barna is saying is that you you see these percentages and they're they actually believe things that that teach something different than the bible and that's that's what they're trying to show with this study so we'll kind of we'll kind of jump in maybe to the first one what's the first one you want to you want to discuss jeremy okay so the first one here is secularism yeah so secularism now we're going to talk about some isms and and (laughs) and i mean the thing is like i said you go go to school and it's be like oh that's lofty some people probably just turned it off right then yeah but i stick stick with us because because i'm telling you what you don't understand is this is what your kids are getting taught when they go to college. Yeah, that's they're getting taught these these ideas and principles. I remember getting taught this stuff in classes mm-hmm. and just and just swallowing it, man, and not knowing because you got a smart dude up there with a PhD, to, and they're not teaching your kids about God. I remember the first time I went when I went to EKU right over here in Richmond, Kentucky, buddy, southeastern Kentucky, and and having two different professors, I'd never heard anybody in my life say out loud like that, I don't believe in God. I don't believe there's a God. Yeah. And two of my professors stood up in class and it, almost, almost like they're preaching something, right? But they're preaching something that's not 
not God. And secularism is, is literally, it's an ideology. And so in, in the Latin, it means literally like this worldly, this earthly. So the idea is like, if you read in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, I, I, I sought to see what was worthwhile. And he said, under the sun. In other words, he's saying, if you shut the heavens out, if there is no heaven, if there is no God, if all we have is this world, what we can touch, what we can taste, what we can feel, what we can see, he said, I sought to see what was worthwhile. And what did he decide in Ecclesiastes? He said, everything is meaningless. Yeah. It's all just a chasing after the wind. And we read that as Christians. We, and I've had people ask me, Clay, man, why, is, why? Like, what kind of shape Solomon get in, bro? Because he was just like, dude, life is meaningless. It, it, nothing has a point. It's all a chasing after the wind. You can get this. You can get that. You can pursue fame. You can become rich. You can have a harem. You can have uh, 300 concubines. You can have pools and all this stuff built up. You can have a, a, a mass amount, of, a huge amount of wealth. Mm -hmm. And he says, it's all a chasing after the wind. He he is saying if you live a secular lifestyle where only you have is what you can see and touch and feel in this life there is no spirituality there is no god there are no angels and demons it's just science and what you can feel here that's what secularism is and in in secularism essentially science becomes god Mm. Human beings become God yeah. because because at the end of the day secularism means man we don't need to look like even when it comes to when it comes to uh, one, you don't really need any morals anywhere any, anymore because you just need to understand what science says, right? So it's it's not about good or evil. It's about it's about science and how do we progress as humans? How do we fix problems as human beings to continue to move forward? So when th bad things are happening, it is never a spiritual issue. It is it is more or less a scientific issue. How can mm -hmm. we manipulate material things around us to bring about? change now just a couple of things like so so one thing secularists aren't going to do is they're not going to ask what god wants because he's he's not involved mm. we're not we've cut him out and and we're not going to ask what history requires of us but instead we're going to think what best serves us during our lifetimes mm. how can we best progress and get what we want and what we need in the here and in the now because that's all that matters because when you die there's nothing left and that, that's what secularism is. Mm -hmm. So in the 1900s, psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud and this other dude, sexologist, that's weird for anybody to be that, but Alfred Kinsey, they concluded that love is just a term we use to describe our brains being stimulated by sexual desire. So really, you're just a body. Love's not real. You're just a chemical, you're just a bunch of chemical reactions and impulses because you're, you're essentially an animal, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what science tells us. And when we talk about evolution, literally evolution is what your kids are being taught. They're not being yeah. taught creationism. They're not being taught that God is the creator of all things. They're being taught in school that they have evolved from primates, that there was a big bang, yeah. that all these molecules developed, and then slowly there was these creatures that formed, and then they became monkeys, and then monkeys became uh, Neanderthals. And then, the th and then, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we, we essentially evolved from monkeys. And that is what is being taught in, yeah. in our educational systems. And it's, it's almost being taught, I don't know, I, maybe you know, you, do, you teach science yeah. in school. Yeah, it's definitely part of the curriculum, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it's extremely, and that was honestly one of the, one of the biggest challenges for me uh, going into to college and you know, my, my degrees in biology. And so you're just, you're smacked in the face with all this stuff. And there's professors right. that, like you said, literally, you know, making statements like there's people, you know, coming in as Christians and still 
they shouldn't be leaving as Christians, you know, kinds of things. And it's, it's like their whole agenda is to kind of, you know, push this stuff. And, and now that I have kids especially, it's so important that we root ourselves, one, but we our families, man, we root them in truth because, like you said, they are getting swamped with all of this yes. stuff. And and it's being taught. That's for sure. And they and it's and, and and what's interesting too, not to cut you off no. there, is like even and like you said, it kind of gets mixed in there because it's like, well, ev- evolution, for example, it's you know they teach it, and then it's like, well, man, I, you know, you bring in God into the equation, and they're like, well, you know, God, maybe that maybe he he created it like this, and this is how it, you know he it, it he meant it to be, or you know maybe. There's some question marks in Scripture that kind of, you know, we don't know what happened. That was so sure. long ago. And, and really, there's some very clear things in Scripture, right? you know, uh, that, that point us, you know, just like it, the sun came up and the sun went down and that was one day. And right. people argue about time. And again, this is not a debate or anything like that, but it's it points to the fact that, that people are throwing in things that, um, and, and what's What's crazy is you go to these colleges and you're taught by these professors, and and they're professors, man. That they come across as a god type figure, and here you are as a, a young adult. Yeah. Well, then you've not been taught anything different because yeah. when you went to church, nobody discussed it. And the thing is, what they're throwing out is is the so even when, if you believe the Apostles' Creed, what Christians believe, we believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of mm-hmm. heaven and of earth. Yeah. And if you get rid of creator, you get rid of design. And if there is no design, then you actually have no real purpose Mm -hmm. because you are just an accident. You just happened. And therefore, you're a bunch of chemicals. You get rid of purpose. There is no ultimate design. But we see and know and believe that God created us and we are divine image bearers. Right. So, So we are designed to show forth the glory of God. We were made by Him. We were created by Him. We were not an accident. And we have an end goal that this this earth will be renewed in the face of it and all of it shall be covered with the glory of God and we shall fully emanate the glory of God. We mm-hmm. will see the Son of God and know Him even as He is fully known. But to say that we're not created, that we're just an evolution, what that means is that we're just beings, we're just animals that are here for a short period of time and then we die and there's real no, no yeah. real meaning. And that's, that's, that's what you teach. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 so, and, and so people will say, well, what that's, what's that got to do with Christianity? So recently, I mean, well, I guess it was a couple of years ago. I remember even having a conversation with some people. But I went to a, a Christian, uh, well, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's it a worship thing, but it, they were playing Christian music. One of my favorite Christians, Christian artists. And he had a guy come on and that was, that was uh, playing with a different band. And it was good music, man. But he got up and he started saying some things, and when he said some things, it just didn't set right with me. So I looked him up. I found out that he was connected with this group called the Liturgists. So I pulled up their podcast, and when I pulled up their podcast, a very very popular guy, I think it was Michael Gunger, he used to sing that song, you know, "You Make Beautiful Things." Yeah. So and it was a Christian Christian song. So apparently, right? So so this guy, they they have a pod. The first one I listened to is about sex. And they legitimately make the statement this. They said, well, if you look in the evolutionary 
basically the, the evolution i can't remember how they worded it but if you look in the evolutionary scale and and where we in the timeline and where human beings come from they said sexually human beings fall anywhere between a chimpanzee and an orangutan and i can't remember which one it was i mean the, the orangutan the chimpanzee i guess is monogamous or or, or or maybe polygamous so the chimpanzee they they have sex with with just all kinds of other monkeys and no big deal and they play around and but then the orangutan is polygamous man they get with one mate and they stick with one mate and they said human beings fall somewhere between the chimpanzee and the orangutan so really and they even made this statement as christian men they say now we we're monogamous we stick with our own wives but we don't i mean some people don't and they were and they were they were just perfectly cool with that why because they have been influenced by secularism mm -hmm. and science even though i respect science yeah. you know how much we learn through science how much technology we have mm -hmm. through science how much good has come through science yeah. god it's a gift from god yeah but it is not god right and it does not answer all questions and there are supernatural things which cannot necessarily be quantified by science yeah. you cannot measure the demonic and angelic realm <laughs> and, and because they're not material right. they're in the unseen realm but scripture actually teaches us to understand that we know that everything that we can physically see comes from things that are not seen yeah. because it's it's almost like the matrix man we are in a dimension here in physical bodies and it is a secondary realm there is a primary realm that is unseen, yeah. and it is greater than what we are living in. Yeah. And in the end, that is where we're moving to. And so what secularism does is it denies that reality. It denies eternity. Yeah. It denies spirituality, and it de denies God as creator. And it allows for things like that to come in. And so when sex is just an impulse that you need to release, and that's what they teach, that's what the psychoanalysts uh, uh, teach, and, and then, then if that's what it is, then marriage is no longer sacred. Sexuality is no longer sacred. The family is no longer sacred, and you just devolve into whatever you feel. You're an animal. You shouldn't suppress that. Yeah. Just go with it, and and it leads people. Obviously, it leads us into all kinds of poor ideas. Yeah, I mean, you see, you see the negative impacts of of all that. It, you know, it's 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 so clear, and you know, like you were saying, honestly, one of the most uh, when I was in college, there was a time where I was hearing this stuff and, and being challenged in my own faith. And, you know, again, you're hearing professors, you know, say these things and you're like, man, they're, they're really smart. <laughs> you know, yeah. they know what they're talking about. And then at the end of the day, I come to this realization, like, man, if this is true, like if I just came from nothing, I'm only here for a little bit. When I die, nothing happens. Like, it's depressing. Yeah, it is depressing. It, it actually led me to the Lord. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like boys, if this is all there is to like, yeah. like, I've got to find truth. And there's a great deal of faith in it. Oh, man. Yeah, people don't want to say that, but it's the truth. There's a guy who wrote yeah. a book that's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Yeah. Because you have to take a major leap of faith. Yeah. Even Richard Dawkins, one of the most popular secularists and atheists, I mean, when you, when they push him back into a corner in a debate, he wrote a book called The God Delusion, which is essentially it's 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 what secularism is. If you, mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend reading it, but I mean, yeah. it's there. Uh, but even he would say they'd say, well, the Big Bang, you know, when that happened and we we came from something, what caused that? And he said, well, of course, I mean, yeah, there has to be some alien force behind that that ultimately caused that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and his name's God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so I mean. But anyway, I mean, yeah. obviously not everybody's going to agree with us, and, and yeah. I'm not the smartest dude in the world, but, but, yeah. but I do believe that God is creator, and, and however that took place, 
we have to we have to understand that's a reality. But that's that is something that slowly influences, mm -hmm. and it's influencing the way we look at hu human beings yeah. and what they are. Uh, we are spirits. You know what I'm saying? We have mm -hmm. a soul. We live in a body. We're not just physical flesh and blood with chemical reactions. We have a soul. And we have a spirit. And these bodies are actually supposed to be subjected to the spirit which lives on the inside of us because we are we are eternal beings mm -hmm. living here for a short period of time. Uh, but anyway, we can move, we can move on to the second one so we can get through this. Alrighty. So number two, we're going to be talking about Marxism. Yeah, you have you heard anything about Marxism? Um, other than honestly, just what you we you know, we've talked you know before this yeah. you know a couple of weeks ago we had a conversation about it. I hadn't really like when you started explaining it to me like you can clearly see it right and and kind of what's going on. But I the, the term was new to me. Yeah, yeah. so so I mean, um, so, socialism, communism, those are words that you hear that are tied in with Marxism. Marxism comes from a dude named Karl Marx. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting because he co-authored the second best-selling book of all time behind the Bible. Wow. The second best-selling book of all time behind the Bible, which is the Communist Manifesto, is the name of the book. I didn't know that. And, and what he, what, so what he believed was, you know, you had the proletariat. And I remember actually learning this in like a social studies class when I was young. Uh, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. Um, and basically the proletariat are the poor folks you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. clay county folk you know we're just trying to work do the best we can and then you had the bourgeoisie and this is actually culturally where you get the word bougie from mm. they get so you learn <laughs> you're learning something here that's that's bougie <laughs> yeah. and what you're saying is that's rich that's wealthy because oh, he he, okay. he believed that the proletariat and the bourgeoisie like the bourgeoisie was the rich folks and they oppressed the poor so socialism or, or, or even communism, right, it, it, they developed as he was trying to bring an economic revolution. He thought that the proletariat, they were being victimized by the bourgeoisie and they needed to be overthrown and wealth needed to be evenly distributed right. on an economic level. It sounded like a great idea to a yeah. lot of people because they felt oppressed and listen, Throughout history, there have been kings and there have been leaders and all sorts of people that have oppressed the poor mm -hmm. and put them in situations that were ungodly and enslaved them. And you know what? Sometimes if I was in them situations, I said, you know what? Let's overthrow the bougie. Like I would, yeah. you know what I mean? I, probably, <laughs> I I get it. Yeah. Like I get why that's appealing. Uh, so, so, but now in our world today, we've got something that, that's coming in. Uh, and usually you, you would have never heard about Marxism just in, in the news or, or media or TV, but it's coming in more, and it's, and, and it's called cultural Marxism, and there's another thing that's connected with it called critical theory. Hmm. Now, cultural Marxism is more or less, it's not just economic. It's on every, society, it's on every societal level, level when it comes to race, when it comes to gender, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to politics, when it comes to, for example, America, even as a nation, like what it's going to say is all of these things, there's a bourgeoisie, there's a proletariat, so to speak. But really what it comes down to is not just, you know, you don't even use those words. It's really more simple than that. It's there, all people in all groups can be put into two categories, and that is the oppressed and the oppressor. Mm. And where, it, where Christians can really get brought into Marxism is Throughout Scripture, you see the prophets rising up against the oppressors, mm -hmm. right? And even Jesus himself says he's come to set free those who are oppressed. Yeah. 
And so we could easily say, man, this is what Jesus would do. He would jump in here, dude, and he would set free the oppressed. But it's a mentality that, that do, it doesn't look to just bring about change or reformation. It looks to bring absolute, a lot of times anarchy. It looks to bring a revolution. It demands revolution now. And so when it looks at America, it doesn't say America has some bad stuff, but it's still pretty good and needs to be changed. It says America needs to be overthrown totally because at its roots, it, it, it as a system needs to be overthrown and we need to rebuild from the ground up. Mm, it sees everything okay. that way. Yeah. Because there's the oppressed, and there is the oppressor. Now, here, now here's here's where it could get a little bit sensitive, and I've heard people talk about it on different issues. So, like, obviously, our nation has been in racial tensions mm -hmm. uh, that that are that are that are intense. And I, and and here's here's my thing. Like, I believe, like, so so I grew up, and I remember my my dad taught me about. We had a lot of we had a lot of friends that that were black people, and he and 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 I remember how much my dad hated hated racism, and he would make one. I remember watching the movie Malcolm X with him, you know, and he would tell he tell talk to me about Malcolm X. Of course, Malcolm X was uh, with the Nation of Islam. He was he was a Muslim, but but he was fighting for for black rights, and, and of course he believed that man you needed to use you needed to use force sometimes. Whereas on the other hand, my dad taught me this when I was young, Martin Luther King Jr. had a different philosophy. And his, that's why I love Martin Luther King Jr. because his philosophy was completely Christian. Yeah. He, he, he believed that you overcome, overcame hate with love, you overcame good with it, or you overcame evil with, uh, with good. And, and so he, he was about nonviolent uh, resistance. And, but, but he understood, man, how evil racism was and and he he saw racism he saw greed as as two of the biggest evils that were that were at work in the nation and i believe god god sent him man on a mission to overthrow that that stuff that was in our hearts uh because here's the thing when when i look at somebody like martin luther king junior I, I believe he's anointed by god to do what he did but see he's not just helping black people out he's helping all people out because if you have racism in your heart it's no longer just about the black person it's about the wickedness of your heart yeah and racism, I will say, is it's wicked. Yeah. And it, and if, if there if you have if you look if you have you need to check your heart. People need to. They need mm -hmm. to evaluate their lives. And now's as good a time as any yeah. to honestly not get caught up in the political aspect of all the things that are going on about race. But seriously, a lot, the fact of the matter is, is I believe I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to do a whole lot of things in our world right now, mm -hmm. and I think He's trying to, to purge us. But every time the Holy Spirit starts to shine a light on it, Satan comes in and tries to piggyback it and distort it and, and, yeah. and mess it up. Right. So right. I believe that the Holy Spirit is trying to say, look, man, y'all need to deal with racism in America. I believe that. Yeah. Because, because in order for the kingdom of God to come, we are from all tribes, nations, languages, skin colors, etc. And man, we should celebrate our differences, our uniquenesses, and love one another, but ultimately, you know, the Bible teaches that we are one race in Him. Mm -hmm. What red, red, yellow, black, or white? We're one race in Him. So I have to say that, man. I, and even even with you, you'd be crazy to not look back at America, America's history, mm -hmm. and not realize that what we've done with Native Americans and what we've done with Black people is on nearly the same level, if not the same level, as what Adolf Hitler did mm -hmm. with with with. Uh, with Jews in Germany, 
Yeah. I mean, it, it was genocide, and then we enslaved blacks, tortured them, and then, and then, of course, you had, until the 1960s, man, that's not even that long ago. My dad was alive then, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not even that long, long ago. You had Jim Crow laws where there was it's literally segregated, like black people couldn't eat with white people. That's insane to think about. Yeah, I is. had a conversation with my dad not long ago, and he, he had a friend, because uh, my, my dad grew up with some guys that were black here in Clay County, and they, and they, uh, they were friends growing up, and he was talking to him on the phone, because my dad used to work out at the pool here. And up until even the 70s here in Clay County, in the 70s, there was a big issue where dad worked there and he had, he had let a, a black guy come into the pool and the, his friend that he was talking to basically said, there ain't no way he got in there to pool. And dad was like, yeah, I, I'm telling you, he came into the pool. And, and th- his friend never went, got to go to the pool. Wow. That's insane. That's unbelievable. And see, yeah. so, so again, right now we need to be aware of that stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. But, and, and, so, and we need to renounce and denounce all forms of racism. Sure. But at the same time, everybody who is coming out and saying racism is sin doesn't necessarily have the same, the same Christian worldview. Right. And they have a different means of going about how we should handle this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as Christians, we should hate all forms of racism. Yeah. We should denounce it. We should fight against it. We fight against it in love. We follow people like with and ideologies like that Martin Luther King Jr. carried, and and all of those things. And we have to stand up for that. But here's the issue: when you talk about so so in our culture right now, Marxism, right? We're talking about it because it's an ideology that actually divides instead of reconciles. Yeah. Marxism seeks to separate the victim from the oppressor so that they can never reconcile but that they literally end up dividing that blacks and whites divide that they learn to hate each other that you you know and it and it tries to cause that divide and it tries to label these people as being the oppressed and these as being the oppressors whether the whether these people are actually oppressing anybody or not at the current time it just wants to categorize oppressed oppressor victim oppressor and it just wants to put people in that so that you can get into into that into that category so that they can create this this revolutionary kind of a mindset where they're seeking to bring overthrow and those types of things so anyway um black lives matter right mm-hmm. i was talking to a, to a guy that said it this way black lives matter as a sentiment is good, and I'll even go further, man. I think that I think we I think we need a need a better saying than Black Lives Matter. Black lives Black lives are sacred. They're yeah. in the image of God. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and they can no longer be looked at in an in inferior way, in any yeah. shape, form, or fashion. Nor can any other person because of their social status, their their race. Any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. All human beings, even human beings that struggle with sins that we don't agree with, they are sacred. Yeah. And we ha- and as Christians, we have to view it that way. Even even if people who who sin differently than I am, yeah. or differently than I do, that their life is still sacred. Yeah. I still owe them my love. I still owe them the love that Christ loved them with. Because even while they were in that sin, which may be different than my sin, but he still died for them. So I have to love them in that way. But here's the issue is that Black Lives Matter is not just about necessarily black lives. They have, they're have they a political organization. And one of their leaders actually said this. They said, we are trained Marxists. We are super versed on ideological theories. So they actually have an agenda behind 
what they are trying to do, and they literally want to overthrow societal structures on a certain level. Now, to some degree, some of the things that they do may ultimately be good for black people. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's something, every ideology and philosophy can, be, can have some good in it. But here's some of the things that they say if you go to their website and see what we believe, they actually say, one, we seek to dismantle cisgender privilege. So the idea is that the oppressors, they have a certain privilege. That's why white privilege is this, is, is this big popular phrase right now. And whether that's true or not, uh, I'm not going to get into that right now. I mean, people have all kinds of privileges. Yeah. I mean, I had, I, you talk about being privileged, I was privileged growing up, man. I never went without a day in my life, but I went to school with some buddies that were not privileged. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Didn't have a dollar. I have nothing. Uh, so so people, there are certain people that are obviously privileged. Yeah. There, are, there are privileges. Now, does that make a person evil? No, not necessarily. Right? right. So, so, so we ha we have to take that in, in. But they said they seek to dismantle cisgender privilege. What does cisgender mean? Cisgender means that male and female. Right. Scripture says God created them, male and female. Mm -hmm. What they want is they say, well, you know what, male and female, that's oppressive because there are human beings who identify as gender fluid. Right. They they might want to be something else, and that's a very popular thing. But see, we actually believe that God created us as Christians, mm -hmm. male and female, and that sets up a structure for what family should look like in the family of mm -hmm. God. And and when you start to break that down, and that starts to get fuzzy and hazy, there was a Supreme Court decision where basically uh, Gorsuch uh, recently wrote an opinion where essentially he said sex can be whatever you want it to be in your mind. It's whatever you mentally affirm. Well, no, that's not true. And science doesn't even teach that, right? Yeah. We can, we, when a person walks into the room, you know whether they're a male or a female. And now, now obviously, this is very controversial because mm -hmm. people say, but, but these people feel, feel like there's something different and they're struggling with that, and you should affirm that. And what I'm saying is, is that we have to speak the truth in, in love. Yeah. And we cannot affirm things that are not true. Now that's, mm. that's, that's very difficult, but, but we cannot dismantle the fact that God created us male and female. So, so, so quickly, kind of maybe even def define love a little bit more just in terms of, because, you know, we, we want to, like you're saying, as Christians, we believe God created them male and female. And so when, we, when, when someone is struggling with this or, you know, kind of feeling a, a certain way, because we're taught to not basically don't say anything that's going yeah. to offend people man and that's tough it, it is tough so in love you know I, I guess it's kind of a hard to put like a one sentence thing onto it but but you know how as christians can we have those tough conversations and uh and still be you know genuine about it and and and, and like you said i and we've talked before. I think I think a big part of it is relationships, and you know, yeah. obviously, you if you stand on the street corner and, and and with a with a flag that's just you know condemning people and things like that, that's obviously it's not God. It's it's not a great way to go about it. And you have you have to like like you you and I have a relationship, for example. And if you come to me and say something like, "Hey, you, you know, we we need to talk about this," I know you're coming to me in love, even though it yeah. may be against something that's going on in my life. Yeah. And, so. and, and, and love, you know, just like we said up there in, in secularism where uh, Sigmund Freud and Alfred Kinsey concluded that love is just a term we use to describe our brains being stimulated by sexual desire. So they just, they just literally yeah. think love, love is what we call 
our brains firing off because we have a sexual impulse. Yeah. And the Bible obviously defines love quite a bit differently. Yeah. And I want to get into that more a little later, but just, just in terms of what you're talking about when we talk about speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love means that that I love, and it's so hard. Like If I'm being honest, when I'm thinking about even what we were going to talk about, I, was, I thought to myself, man, I would feel so much better if I didn't have to say some of these things because it's just so much easier to not confront somebody, especially about their sexuality or anything like that because, mm-hmm. because it, is, it is such a hard thing. And today, if you say anything about that, man, it's you're a bigot, you hate people, yeah. you don't love them. I counseled uh, men and women in, in rehab centers and, and I probably one of the things that would often come up is I, I would, I would uh, counsel a lot of people and people are always struggling with sexuality. Whether it's males that are just having sex with all kinds of women and addicted to pornography, or whether whether it's uh, females or men that they're struggling with homosexuality, and so many times they would come to me and they say, "Well, what do you think about what do you think about homosexuality?" And I would say, and I would say, "Well, the, here's in love." I, I say, I'd say, "I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know God loves you. Yeah. I want you to know that He thinks." you're amazing i want you to know that he died on the cross for your sins the same way he died for mine now my sins may be a little bit different than you but we're both sexually broken people mm-hmm. i used to be addicted to pornography I, I i didn't struggle with homosexuality personally but at the end of the day sexual sin is kind of lumped all in yep. all into one thing mm-hmm. and so there's no one sin homosexuality doesn't make you worse than me being addicted to pornography or, or whatever else that it is right. but but god has designed it and we talk about design god has designed it male and female right and that sex is to be had not just between a male and female but a male and a female who have entered into a covenant of marriage before god and man yeah and a man shall leave his wife or leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh Mm -hmm. when you have sex with somebody it's even a chemical oxytocin is relieved and released in your body and there is a bonding that takes place yeah so it's 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 spiritual, it's physical, it's emotional. You're you're tying into a person, you're becoming one with that person. But according to God's design, he designed it male and female. So biblically, what we believe is that because God designed it that way, God can set you free from se- I had sexual impulses that I could not control, son. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I didn't think that there was ever a way that I could get free from it. I thought, well, this is ridiculous. How, how are you going to tell me Christianity is good when there's no way you can live and control and not have sex outside of marriage and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. But what I found out is when I had an encounter with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, my heart changed. Yeah. My desires changed. Yeah. It wasn't that I wasn't tempted. because See, here's the thing about sexual sin, too. It's not necessarily the temptation that's the sin. It's not even necessarily the desire that's the sin. It's not even a person that comes to me and says, well, you know, I'm just attracted to the same sex. Well, guess what? Being attracted to the same sex doesn't mean you can't be a Christian and doesn't mean you can't come to Jesus. But see, it says that those who practice homosexuality, those who practice adultery, right? Those those who live in fornication or sex outside of marriage, when that becomes a lifestyle that you embrace, that is that is when you're you, you're deeming yourself essentially. You're saying, "I'm not at the end of the day a Christian because I don't believe in God's power of the Holy Spirit to give me the strength to overcome the lust of the flesh." Mm-hmm. And that's a challenging thing. Yeah. But see, speaking the truth in love means that. We're not saying that we're not saying that we don't we don't we accept you, but love does not always mean we approve. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So so love does not always approve, 
And, and really, true love speaks the truth even when it's hard sometimes, even when it's hard for people to hear. Mm-hmm. So, so again, I don't know. Yeah. Is that clear? Oh, or, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, and I think everybody's not going to agree with that in our culture. Yeah. Everybody's not going to agree with that because they believe that the most loving thing to do is to affirm all people in what, in what they feel is good for them. And we'll talk more about that in, in the next one. But again, we were with Black Lives Matter, and they said we seek to dismantle cis- cisgender privilege. We, disru- we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. So see, they see just thinking of people as male and female as oppressive. They yeah. see just thinking of family as a man and a woman and his children as oppressive. You know, you could, should be able to have polyamorous relationships. You should be able to have two men or two women and multiple children and this and that. And, here, and here, here's the thing with that, man. I, there, are, there are people, I, I know people that, that have, look, man, I, I know homosexual people who are some of the best, like they're nice, kind, loving people. And I love them so much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I care about them. And maybe they even, they even have children and they take care of children. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying... Let's, I, we need to come in here and overthrow. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that God loves you, that you can come just like I did, not knowing a lot, and yeah. begin to seek God through Scripture and let Him do a work in your heart. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just trust that He can do a work in His heart. And just be willing to submit to whatever truth He teaches yeah. you. And don't just say that, well, no, Christianity, they hate us. and they, No, we don't hate you. We love you, and we want what God gave us, and that's salvation and freedom from, from our brokenness. And uh, But... but but this says no. We don't want to label anything as broken. We want to affirm it, and we don't want man, wife, children, a nuclear family. But we know that in our in our in our nation, there's such a high. When you don't have a father in the home, there's a higher rate of drug abuse. There's a higher rate of incarceration. There's a higher rate of of, of suicide, and we need fathers in the homes. See, this is why we believe it's it's, it's so important in a Christian teaching to say, Jeremy, man, you got to be a father and a good father mm-hmm. and you've got to lead your wife and you've got to take care of your children and discipline them and nurture them and not only that you have to teach them above all how to worship God and how to know the Lord and have a relationship with him because it's in that when you see that when that is healthy society is healthy mm. the earth is healthy and when that breaks down the world breaks down yeah because that's how God designed it sure we're talking about design but now when people bring in philosophies that say, no, we don't want that, we reject that, all you're going to see is more and more destruction. When you go against God's design, it's called sin, and sin ultimately means missing the mark, and the result of it is the wages of sin is death. And that doesn't just mean that you cease to breathe. It, may, it means destruction. It means no life in it. And so God wants life in us. And then, then lastly, it says we fo- they said we foster a queer-affirming uh, network and we talked about that before see right now the push is for even Christians to affirm all forms of sexuality now here's the thing what I deal with even in this congregation is when a, when, when a couple comes to me and they're about to get married and they're having sex and they ain't married yet you know what I say to them say y'all need to quit having sex because I'm not fostering a sexually I'm not going to affirm sexual immorality yeah you know what I'm saying so matter no matter what it is if it's outside the definition of biblical sexuality then I'm I, I can't as a Christian and especially as a pastor affirm that yeah so if they come to me and they're struggling with pornography we, we're seeking through the power of the Holy Spirit how to get you free if they're a young couple and they're having sex outside of marriage we're gonna say look you need to repent you need to get this relationship back in the way that God would have you to do it and I've I've 
counseled with a couple of different couples, and they were saying we're getting married in eight months, but we've been at, we've been having sex, and we feel convicted about it. And and I said, well, guess what? You can repent. You can you yeah. can give your life to the Lord, and 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 for the next eight months, stay pure, and then get married. And they did that. And when they did that, they they said, man, we just things are going better for us. Yeah. So I I know I'm weird saying this stuff, but it's what the Bible teaches, and I'm gonna stick with it. Yeah. Well, it's really good to, and, and honestly, like just repenting in general you know the idea that uh hey that i'm wrong in something and i need to change something just in general that is it's not a it's not a very positive thing to say anymore and 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 honestly like if listening anyone who's hearing this you know just if we just reflect in our own lives anytime i personally have tried to take the wheel and do things on my own Mm-hmm. out of God's design, it just leads to brokenness. It, does. it leads to destruction. And then when you do repent, when you do say, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna really give this thing a shot with what God says about it, everything falls perfectly in line. Yeah. It's amazing what freedom you find when you follow His design. Yeah. And if we can get to that place where we just humble ourselves a little bit and yeah. say, hey, maybe there are some things I need to turn away from. And, and like you said, when, when that's working... You know, then society as a whole is a beautiful thing, and and right now, man, it just you see a lot of these things in place, and you see a lot of brokenness. You do, unfortunately, and and that's you know, going back to love, even, you know, I love my kids. You know, everything I see, I kind of filter through them, and I see through them. But if my son or my daughter is doing something, something that 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 I know is destructive in their life, I love them too much to say, keep doing that, even if it makes you feel good. Right for a season, even if you you think it's okay, yeah. I love them too much to 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 not go to them and say, "Hey, you, you can't be doing this." Yeah, we got we got we got to do something differently, yeah. and that that's love. And nobody yeah. on their deathbed. See, the problem in America right now. I was talking with some guys earlier. Is sex is becoming God, man? Sex and sexuality, yeah, and just free flow with all that. It's becoming God, and you are not your sexual impulses. Sex is a gift from God, but it was it was designed uh, designed to be in a, in a certain context as a gift, and we have distorted that. And you know, here's the thing: by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you need to, you, like the Apostle Paul, man, Jesus Himself, what they they decided to live abstinent, they just chose to to not have sex by the power of the Holy Spirit. And my point is, is at the end of this life, Oscar Wilde. Uh, an author wrote a, the picture of, of Dorian Gray. I don't know if you've ever read the book. I don't, probably don't have time to get into it. But anyway, it's an amazing book. But he went into hedonism, which basically means that life is about pleasure and it's about uh, it's about gratifying all whatever I feel right now in the here and now. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book called The Picture of Dorian Gray. And this guy drew this picture of just something that was amazingly beautiful of him. And he said, man, I wish I could just stay like that. And something supernatural happened. And he took on that picture, and that picture took on him. Well, he put that picture up on his wall, and he just went into this life of hedonism, having sex and partying and doing whatever he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. And he started to notice that that picture started to turn, the figure, the image started to change. So it was it was hurting his soul, so he went, went and he hid it. And he hid the picture, and he just went deeper and deeper into a life of hedonism. And Oscar Wilde literally lived this life, okay? 
And and in the end of the book, he goes in because he's eat up in his soul. He goes in and looks at the picture, and the image is so marred and disfigured that he begins to stab it and tear it, and he ends up killing himself. But what it's a picture of is he was beautiful on the outside, but inwardly because something was going on in his soul that was just destroying mm -hmm. him. And, and the only thing that can fix that image in us is God and the love of Jesus yeah. Christ. And 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 that's 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 where I think we're at. As, as a world as we're pursuing these things because we think they're going to bring us pleasure and at the end of the day at the end of the day we're, we're still just drastically empty looking for truth and uh, and Jesus Christ is the only answer for it and on his deathbed Oscar Wilde he looked at his 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 homosexual lover and he said go and get me a priest only God's big enough to save me now See, on your deathbed, you're not looking for who you can have sex with next. You know what I'm saying? Like, things are brought into, and, and you would have been willing to probably give some things up on your deathbed. Yeah. So anyway, we, we probably need to move on. But as far as Marxism, just because just we, we, we took a different yeah. route. But when it comes to racism, man, the gospel cures racism. Yeah. And we don't have to, we don't have to destroy and dismantle all this stuff and, and bring division and hatred in order to in order to try to fix this thing the gospel is what ultimately is going to fix this thing yeah. and if you try to go that route you're going to go into a destructive pattern and adopt ideologies that ultimately aren't good for anybody yeah so the third one it's good it's so number three post-modernism yeah, postmodernism. so this is this is really basically post-modernism in a nutshell i probably need to speed up i feel like we've been at this for an hour well already. and we even talked about this but there it's it's a lot of information to unpack yeah yeah and and, and we want to talk about it well we don't want to just because honestly i mean this is stuff you that's kind of hidden throughout our you know what we're hearing and seeing all day every day yeah and, and so uh and no one's really talking about this kind of thing very much and so I, th I think we owe it to ourselves and and to people to you know take your time and yeah. and really talk about it. So so we appreciate you sticking with us. I know, it, as far as time's sake, it may be a little lengthy, but it's it's important. And so, you know, everything is not just instant. Right. You know, all the time. Sometimes it takes a little time to unpack. Everybody, everybody's all the time telling me, Clay, just keep it to twenty five or thirty minutes, <laughs> and uh, I fail miserably. But anyway, the thing that I learned about postmodernism. Uh, they taught me in college. I thought, man, I'm never. Why, well, this is never going to amount to anything. But the real thing about postmodernism is what it means is in the world we live in today, there really is no absolute truth, right? And it's a, it's a, it, honestly, it's a very big philosophy in today's world that people are adopting without even realizing it. Um, but, but postmodernism means there's no capital T truth. There are only lowercase t truths. So in other words, you might have your truth, but I might have my truth. Matter of fact, somebody might be listening to us and say, well, Clay, that's your all's truth, right. but I've got my truth. And ultimately, all of our truths are going to lead us into some form of bliss in the end, and we'll all see each other in heaven or, or whatever, you know, or whatever it is out there. Uh, but but it, it, So it denies any meta-narrative. It's going to deny the fact that, uh, you know, that, that God is creator, 
that that literally Satan came into humanity and we were deceived and we and sin infected the world and Jesus Christ came to save us from our sin and he will come again to set up a kingdom in which sin has been obliterated and there is peace and there's no more death and there, like it says no nah, we don't believe in those meta narratives like that we we don't believe there's any real truth like there might be some truth in Christianity might be some truth in the Muslims might be some truth in this religion might be some truth in that religion but ultimately Everybody just has to find their own truth and live that truth. Uh, and that, that's kind of what uh, postmodernism is. Now, there's a uh, postmodernist philosopher named Michael Foucault. And they, I was forced to read a book by this dude at one point. But uh, he believed that when we speak of love, talking about love, we're masking what we, what we are really after, which is sex. It's so funny to me. These dudes, it's always it's about always, sex. Yeah, it's it's what, always about sex. It's the theme here. It, it, like. it, and, and I mean, so those in power try to control us through guilt and make us feel ashamed for having sexual thoughts or feelings. And the solution is to explore sexuality. The solution is to explore sexuality until the guilt feelings cease. And Foucault was a deeply troubled individual who enjoyed ritual sexual abuse and he was one of the first to advocate for creating an ever, ex and, and quote, an ever-expanding encyclopedia of preferences, gratifications, and perversions. He himself said that he was a disciple of Marquis de Sade, who was a French aristocrat who sexually mistreated everybody around him, and we get the word sadist from this dude's name. And Foucault said, well, I, I, I'm a disciple of this guy. And, and here's what's funny is we accept this dude as a great philosopher. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay. Uh, so, so, but that's, that's the world that we're, we live in. Yeah. And, and what are we doing? We're accepting that, that, we're accepting that hook, line, and sinker. Some, there are books where we're teaching our kids just to be sexually pliable, gender pliable. What, I mean, just whatever goes. Yeah. If you have a feeling or an impulse, Go explore it. it. Yeah. Go with it. it. I mean, what, whatever it is. Now, obviously, biblically, as we've already said, no. Like, your body may have impulses, but I am not my impulses. And I have the, that is the sin nature within me that has evil impulses. But God, Jesus Christ, came and he died for our sins on the cross. Mm -hmm. And not only that, he gives us the Holy Spirit, a new heart and a new mind so that he empowers us to live above those impulses, right. to resist those impulses. And what I found in my own life is I experience the most joy, the most love when I'm walking with the Holy Spirit and not in the desires of my flesh. Yeah, I've lived that life, man. I was there. My whole life was about getting drunk, getting high, and having sex. Like, I lived that. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? I know what that's about. And the more I did it, the more empty I got. And the more I was looking for some form of truth, but when God finally set me free and through the power of the Holy Spirit gave me the ability to say no, but it's even not about, it's not, Christianity is not even about saying no to those things. It's about getting so caught up in the worship of who God is that you no longer desire those things. Yeah. And I think that's what people don't realize is that this is not about not doing things. This is about falling in love with God. And if you fall in love with the one for which you were designed to be in love with, your heart transforms. Yeah. You don't want the things anymore. They, they, they disgust you. You just don't feel the same that you used to. Mm -hmm. And then it even makes you ha have a love for people that you see in the same situations that you were in because you want to see them experiencing the love of God that you've experienced, that right. Jesus ha has, has given you. So, so anyway, that's, that's, that's pretty much 
what it is. Postmodernists believe there's no real truth and we should just pursue pleasure and personal happiness. And if we would all just stop pursuing truth, that's what they want. Just stop pursuing truth and quit pressuring people with your ideas. Mm -hmm. But it, now it's even funny because the people who are saying quit, quit pressuring people with your ideas, don't push religion on me, they'll say. Well, they're pushing these crazy ideas back on Christians. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So now, now really it's, it's, it's becoming very unpopular to have the views that you and I have. Yeah. And you'll get canceled. You know what I'm saying? And I told somebody the other day, I said, if they want to cancel me, praise God, because this culture right now is believing some ungodly things. And if I get canceled in it, I look at it as a badge of honor. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the truth. It's just we're living in some weird times. But I want to get to something real quick just, just to get through this. So, so in postmodernism, since there is no truth, there's a guy named Jacques Derrida. Okay, cool name. If you're gonna have a kid, maybe name it Jacques Derrida. I mean, it's a good name. Teach him a different philosophy, but <laughs> but he came but he came up with uh, deconstructionism. Okay, and basically he's saying in any text there's no ultimate or secure meaning in a text, so it needs to be deconstructed. So if we look at the Bible, it needs to be deconstructed. Now I remember studying this, and what I've listened to several sermons in the past three years, where pastors and I hope unknowingly are actually using deconstructionism as it pertains to the Bible. Mm. And they are, they, they are breaking that. They're basically, they make their listeners think that certain aspects of the Bible are unnecessary or unimportant. And I grant you, there are things in the Bible that are difficult to understand. Sure. But Jesus even looked at the Old Testament scripture. He said, look, not one jot or tittle shall pass away until all is fulfilled. So the Bible is doing something very important. Now, it doesn't mean... That it that it's it's a like the Bible doesn't always do what you think it should do. Right. It doesn't always say what you think it should say, but ultimately it's pointing to the perfect truth, which is Jesus Christ. The Bible itself is not God, but it is the thing which perfectly points us to God because we believe it's God breathed from front to back. And so sometimes our interpretations differ, mm -hmm. and we need people. We don't need people who say, well, the Old Testament's hard. No, so we can throw it out. No, we need people who can say, no, the Old Testament was written for our admonition, and ultimately the Old Testament was written because it is Christ's concealed but ultimately revealed in the New Testament. And we need people to understand how to interpret the Old Testament mm. to point people to Jesus Christ. And honestly, if you throw it out, you, you got nothing anymore. Yeah. But here's what's going on, and I, ho I hope they can see this on the screen. But deconstructionism and the Bible, it, it starts like this, and this is what people are saying. So if Jesus is God's Word, and this is something that we teach, Jesus is the Word of God. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. So He is, he is the Word of God in a primary sense. The Bible is the Word of God in a secondary sense. Mm -hmm. But here's what new teachers are doing. They're saying in deconstructionism, if Jesus is God's Word, then the Bible is not. Okay, mm. Because the Bible's no good because we need to deconstruct it because it's got errors in it. Like That's, that's what they're going to say. Right. Then, so then in the line of reasoning, they say, okay, in that case, we should use Jesus to critique the Bible. So Jesus and the Bible are a little bit different, right? Mm. And then they say, but we may even have to criticize the Bible's presentation of Jesus in light of the spirit of Jesus. In other words, I know what Jesus is really like. Yeah. So if I go to the Bible... And it doesn't line up with what I know Jesus to be really like, then I'm going to use what Jesus is really like yeah. to critique the Bible. 
And then lastly, it ends up in, this is deconstructionism, I determine which texts in the Gospels demonstrate the spirit of Jesus. And right now churches are just using very vague statements like we just need to love everybody and Jesus just said to love. But you need, I'm telling you, we need in our culture and generation to define what love is because other words, everybody just has this idea of what Jesus is and really at the end of the day, your idea of Jesus is just your compilation of all the streams of new cultural thoughts and philosophies that you've heard on the news or on TV or in entertainment, and you say, well, Jesus would be this, yeah. or Jesus would say that, or Jesus would act like that. And ultimately, it ain't Jesus of the Bible at all. It's Jesus of the world and yeah. the spirit of the age. And you just think he walks around just patting everybody on the back, being, you know, just affirming everybody in their sin. But see, here's the thing, and let me define love like this before we move on. Okay. In 1 John 4.10, it says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. What the Bible teaches is love. Now, there's actually four Greek words for love, and mm -hmm. I teach this a lot. But one is eros, and that's the word we get erotic from. Okay, There's a Greek word in the Bible, right? It's eros, uh, and it's the word we get erotic from. It's sensual love, it's sexual love. 99% of Americans, when they talk about love, that's the love they're talking about. Yeah. They're talking about sexual, feeling, emotional. And when people say love is love, that's literally what they're saying. They're saying whatever you feel, whoever it's with, ultimately, it's okay. Yeah. Because that's, that's, it's good. That's love. But that's only one type of love. And, and, and secondly, there's another type of love. Because that's, that's a good type. That, that ties in with, with how God wants us to relate to people. Of course... He wants it to be done a certain way. But secondly, there is there's storge. That's the love that a, that a parent has for a child. Thirdly, there's phileo. It's, it's how I love you. We got a friendship. I love you as a friend, as a brother. Mm -hmm. But then fourthly, there's agape love. And the Bible teaches that the greatest of these is agape. Agape love is the love that God had for us. And it is fully demonstrated that he loved us so much that while we were still enemies and while we were still sinners, while we were still broken and marred and did not live according to the ways of God, did not love God, did not have a heart for God, while we were in that condition and we blasphemed God, hated God, rejected God, he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus. Jesus comes is perfect loves everyone, but yet he knows how damaging sin is, and he knows that ultimately the wages of sin is death, mm. and sin must be punished. But he loves you and I so much, and this is the good news of the gospel, is that sin must be punished. And see, none of these worldviews believe in sin. They just want whatever you feel to be affirmed. Yeah. The gospel demands repentance. And it demands repentance because it says you are a sinner in need of a savior. You're not just a person who is a good person at heart that needs to be affirmed and patted on the back. You're a sinner in need of a savior. And Jesus comes and what does he do? He loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sin. What that literally means is we deserved punishment. We deserved death. And Jesus stepped in and on the cross he took it for us. And sin is so horrific is the very reason why the cross is so horrific. Mm -hmm because he was taking the full weight of our sin upon himself so that one, we could be forgiven for it and two, we could be set free from it. And he's demonstrating his love for us in that. But ultimately he came and he died on the cross to set us free and to deliver his people from their sin. And that's the gospel. And what he says is you can come and you can repent 
and put faith in Christ and what he's done. And if you do, he will give you a new heart and a new mind and you'll yeah. enter into a covenant where you have a relationship with God. And if you will walk in this relationship right where you're at, I don't care what you've done. I don't care sex sexually where you've been or what you've done. The gospel is for you. And God says where you're at turn to him and right now you may not have the strength to overcome a lot of your sinful habits but turn to him right now because he loves you and if you will come back to the father he will pour out his love into your heart and once you feel that that love will overcome mm -hmm. every sin every impulse every desire that you have but this is a relationship that he wants to invite you into right. and this is what true love is and so true love doesn't just allow people to continue to go in ways of, of error or destruction if if you loved me even me as a pastor like I, I have imperfections and sometimes people will even have my wife has to tell me clay you can't act like that mm -hmm. you can't have that. that's love yeah that's love that's what love does because it wants what's best for people and we've talked about it i mean you're not going to let everett go and drink drano out of the cabinet and just pat him on the back and say and say buddy it's okay why because that Drano's going to kill him yeah you're probably going to say no because <laughs> yeah. you want him to flourish right and that's what god wants for all of us man he wants us to flourish he 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 wants us to turn he's become the propitiation for our sins and so anyway, I mean, you, I went through a lot real quick right then, but the, the deconstructionism thing and the postmodernism and ultimately we, we, we just, we told what we believe to be the truth and postmodernism says, no, yeah. we can't pin that down. That's not good enough. We need to have multiple streams. Yeah, it's really scary too because I mean, the thing is like a lot of these things, like you said, even unknowingly can come in and before you know it, you're, you're actually worshiping a God that you've named Jesus that is not the same Jesus of the Bible. That's right. And well, and Paul even said, if we come to you, pre if anybody comes to you preaching another Jesus. Yeah. So people are preaching other Jesuses yeah. out there all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's why this is so good and, and, and breaking apart these things like we said in the beginning so we can learn to navigate and learn to, you know, kind of see and test what is true and what's not true and, and not be deceived and not be taken into directions and, you know, ideas and philosophies that's, uh, that's not of God. And so uh, last thing here, uh, number four, new age spirituality. Yeah, and I think I'll knock this one out quick just because we've been at it for so long. But new age was something that I was introduced to. Uh, so when I went to college at EKU, it, Hastings, there was a bookstore in yeah, Richmond. It's I, no long, I don't think it's there anymore. But I went in there and I would get different books all the time. I was reading crazy stuff back then. Uh, but but the, the biggest section... Uh, it, or maybe it wasn't the biggest, but it seemed like the biggest to me. It was bigger than the Christian section, <laughs> and it was the New Age section. Hmm. I don't know if you remember that, because it was becoming super mega popular in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, and it still is very popular, but New Age spirituality, it essentially just mixes up a bunch of stuff. Oprah was on a huge New Age kick back whenever I'd first, when I was in college, like 2005-ish. Mm. Son, Oprah was, she was having guys on, they were going through this big spiritual class and even healings were taking place and all kinds of things, you know, were, were going on. But ultimately, New Age, it mixes all kinds of, it mixes mm. Buddhism, it mixes Hinduism, and it will even throw in some of the sayings of Jesus. But mm. what it rejects is who Jesus truly is. And all false religions will reject who Jesus truly is. We, Jesus is God in the flesh who has come 
to be the propitiation for our sins. We were our sinful, broken creation who have rebelled against God and rejected God. He loved us so much, He comes, He dies on the cross for our sins to atone for our sins so that we could be reconciled to the Father. They throw that out. Mm. You're not a sinner in need of a Savior, and Jesus is not necessarily God. What New Age spirituality teaches is that Jesus was just an enlightened one who had learned to love everybody and had tapped into his inner consciousness and had detached from his ego and was one with the universe. That's what New Age spirituality yeah. teaches. And there's even certain things. I remember reading a book by Eckhart Tolle and re reading all this stuff because he would quote Jesus sometimes. So it's not, look, people, New Age spirituality is not afraid to say, I believe in God. Don't believe that everybody who says, I believe in God, believes in the same true God of the Bible because mm. they just don't. Uh, there, there are all kinds of different philosophies and beliefs out there. And you have to discern, is, is, is this who who are you saying Jesus is? Who do you believe? Je it's like yeah. just what Jesus asked Peter. Who do who yeah. do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. Who do you say that I am? Am I am I God in the flesh who came to die for you and for your sins, so to set you free, so that you could have forgiveness, so that you could be reconciled to the Father, so that you could have eternal life, mm -hmm. so that the Spirit of the Living God could now come and live and dwell on the inside of you, and I'd give you a new heart and a new mind. Is that who I am, or am I just a you know? A philosophical guru who tapped, who detached from his from his ego, and is now tapped into inner consciousness. And they, New Age spirituality, uses love a lot. God is essentially like one. He, he, the universe is love, and we're to tap into the universe until we all become one. And if we can all become one, we'll enter into this this utopia, yeah. right? This age of Aquarius, yeah. so to speak, and 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 we'll be in in this place. So really. I mean, at the end of that, I could go into that more, but uh, but we, we have all of those things going on. And man, there's way more. I had like 10 that I wrote down. I yeah. knew just even getting into a few of these would be difficult. But they're not that hard to distinguish, especially if we are in the Word of God, we're being taught the Word of God, and, and we're praying. But if you read First John, you read Second Peter, you read the book of Jude, like I said, Constantly, these New Testament writers are, are they're 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 begging us essentially to be aware, and that we have an anointing, we have the Holy Spirit that's going to teach us all things to keep us safe from from mm -hmm. from these type of things that would lead us astray. But man, there is a wave right now trying to lead people away from true Christianity, yeah. and trying to get people to jump on all sorts of bandwagons. And there are realities right now in our world. Coronavirus is a reality, but I'm telling you, man, there are a lot of demonic agendas that are piggybacking off of that. Racism is a reality, but I'm telling you there are a lot of demonic agendas that are piggybacking on that right now. Yeah. And we have to be able to discern. There's a lot of people right now that are fighting against racism and saying a lot of good things and, 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 and they're and they'll say Black Lives Matter and they and they do not mean they don't mean what we were talking about with Marxism. They just don't. Right. But at the same time, we have to understand, like we have to, you know, like I'm not opposed to saying Black Lives Matter. Say it all day, you know what I'm saying? Because they do matter. If you, but but the organization itself right. yeah. is different. Yeah, the organization itself is different. And some people will get mad when you say that right now. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, but my thing is, is you have to, as a Christian, practice discernment so yeah. that you don't just jump on any cultural bandwagon so you can be deemed cool. Right. Uh, I mean, just be careful with it. That's that's kind of it, but yeah, it's really good stuff, and it and, and I love what you said there at the end because even like hearing all this stuff, you're like, man, and like I said at the beginning, it's kind of heavy. It's like, it well, what are you, 
what do you believe and what do you not believe? There's and, and there's so many different things coming in. But you know, if we just stay rooted in God's word and rooted in prayer and 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 you know, being there for one another and and, and letting the Holy Spirit lead, you know, He's He's going to give us that discernment like you were talking about. And then also just being well educated and having these conversations that are that are sometimes difficult. It's it's difficult yeah. to talk about some of these things and, and we realize not everyone's gonna agree and things like that, but at the end of the day, you know, we we have to more than ever, you know, be open to learning about these things and, and saying, Hey, this is this is not of God. Uh and because we, we we don't want to, like you said, be uh you know, take on some ideas and, and, and like the scripture said when we first started there that, t- you know, seem true almost, but, but are not. And so, yeah. you know, we just, we just love you guys and appreciate you. And, and, and again, we, we thank you for, for sticking with us this long. We know yeah. that's a little bit lengthy, but, uh, but again, we wanted to really kind of break down some of these things cause they need to be talked about. Yeah. Yeah. They really do. And so, yeah, it's a good word, man. Thanks for it's a lot of information to take in, and I, I appreciate it. And it's definitely helped me for sure. Well, yeah, I want to I want to pray uh, for us before we yeah. go, and uh, thanks for, for thanks for talking with me and hashing this out. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to do this conversationally as opposed to kind of getting up and preaching it because it was kind of a weird thing, and I didn't know how it would turn out. But yeah. but I think the main thing is, man, as Christians right now, we really don't have time to waste in getting tossed to and fro by every new teaching. Right. We have got to stick to the main teaching, and that is the gospel of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Because there are issues out in our world that need to be dealt with, and we need to fight for justice and whatever different things that are going on out there, and we want truth to prevail, and we want to, we want to be pro-life, you know what I'm saying, in a, yeah. in a multitude of, of ways, and we want to have an impact. Uh, but, man, we're dealing with a, the, an election coming up, I mean, we're going to see some probably why we need to be in prayer for our nation. Mm. And we need, we need to pray for our nation, man. We need to bless our nation. We don't need to, to buy into the, to the negativity uh, and, the, and the hatred and the division, but we need to speak life. And we need to believe that God is going to start to save people. And I, I think he is, there's a harvest out there. And God is wanting to bring people into the tr- into the truth. So, yeah. so we'll just pray, Lord. We, we, we just release the spirit of truth yes, God. over every listener. Lord, you, you told us, Jesus, that your spirit would come to us and you would lead us and guide us into all truth. And you promised us that if we continued in your word, that we would be your disciples indeed and we would know the truth and the truth would make us free. So we pray, God, that your truth would go forth in power and that you would make us free, Lord, free from sin, free from shame, free from guilt, God, free from the bondages of this world, free from demonic philosophies, God, and confusion, Lord, so that we could be free to know you, Lord God, and to live for you, Jesus, and to live for your purposes and for your will and to experience your love and your joy. We acknowledge your love for every single person that's out there, regardless of their background and what they've been involved with. And we just pray, Lord, that they would hear your gospel and hear your love and hear your voice calling them and that they could turn to you, Lord Jesus, and maybe even just seek brothers and sisters in the Lord that are going to help them and strengthen them and lead them in the right path. Uh, But, Lord, we know you're coming quickly, and we want to be found ready. We want to be found looking for you, pure in our hearts, waiting for you. And, God, we pray for our nation, Lord Jesus, that you would bring true revival, that you would turn people's hearts away from error, away from deception and into the truth that comes only in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We love you. We bless each listener, their homes, their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Yeah, thanks so much for watching.